Daisy Spark. Hello, TDSers. Welcome back to a brand new episode of That Daisy Spark. I'm Nahal. And I'm Annika. And as you all are fully aware, I'm a huge reality TV show junkie. You know this, Annika knows this, everyone knows this. And if you've been on our Instagram last week, then you'll know Netflix reached out to us about their new season of Love is Blind. If you haven't watched the show, it's trending at number one right now, and it's a social experiment that focuses on developing an emotional connection first, before a physical one, between the contestants who find true love, or at least hope to. (laughs) The show is hosted by Nick and Vanessa Lachey, and we actually got a chance to interview Nick and one of the South Asian contestants on the show, Deepthi Vimpati, to talk about diversity and inclusion on the show. Deepthi's journey, how contestants are picked, and there's so much more that we just got to talk to all the contestants. It was literally a dream come true. So that's why today's episode is going to be broken down a little bit differently. You'll get to hear about our conversation with Nick first, and then we'll dive right into Deep Thee. It's going to be great, but Nahal, you and I have already watched the entire season, so without spoiling too much, what were your thoughts? Okay, let's talk about fucking Shake. What are your thoughts? (laughs) He seems like the world's biggest bro. Like, just the expectations that he puts on. I thought Indian matchmaking was bad with some of these expectations that people were putting on women. But he is outrageous. He is out of control. I think it's so unfair of him to just say certain things like, oh, can you be picked up or can I lift you up and things like that? Because the whole point of the experiment is to not be able to see someone and fall in love emotionally. But it felt like he was doing such a huge part on like, are you, you know, beauty standards? Are you light and thin, quote unquote, and stuff to figure that out for himself? Going along with that, have you ever noticed that whenever women have high standards for guys and how they look or what they act or what jobs they have, people always say, well, you're not that great. And yeah, I was watching this and that was all that kept playing through my mind. And I realized that that sounds mean. But the fact is women get told that all the time. And this guy's standards were not only through the roof, they were really, really obnoxious, unrealistic and really condescending toward the women that he was talking to. I'm actually really curious to see what Deepthi thinks now um, about what was shown on the screen. Because she didn't get to watch all those interviews. And she didn't get to hear what was happening. Yet she still ended up out of the pods with him. So it's like looking back at it now, are you thinking like, wow, this guy fucking sucks? I wonder about that all the time. Because people come out with other people sometimes and you think that your experience is so good with one person and that they can't be possibly like this with anyone else. They can't be mean to anybody else. But then as you watch this, I wonder the same thing. And I wish we had the opportunity to ask her during our interview, like our interviews were towards the tail end of this. But I would be super curious to ask her and potentially do an IG live or something with her where we get to ask, did you really get to watch this? And how did you feel about it afterward? Yeah, I also thought they had, like, I thought that they had good representation, though, of South Asian in the sense where they were different than the typical South Asians we see um, in TV. And so I really like that. 
I did. I actually really like her. She seems really even keeled. And even when we spoke with her, she was so eloquent. She was so smart. And she was really nice. And she just seemed like the kind of girl that we could all be friends with, which was very cool to see on screen. And, you know, we obviously start rooting for her through it. So it was yeah, really worth it. And I, think- I want her to find love. <laughs> yeah. And not I think with shape. Thing- not with shape, though. <laughs> <laughs> yes. With that very important amendment. But I think that it's also very cool just to see women coming across on reality television who look like us and act like us and who are South Asian as well. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest thing. I think when it comes to TV and entertainment, it's so easy to have actors and actresses and see that representation. And I love seeing it, but it's like, you know, there, are they actually like that? Probably not. But you know, this is a real person. These are her real like family opportunities. This is what she's going through. And I'm like, wow, you're really freaking relatable. Yeah, and I like that she was willing to go on a show to find love. I know that so many of us who either follow traditional career paths or who like, I don't know, met a, met a boyfriend or a husband on an app, <clears throat> us, or, you know, we <laughs> people who have like a more, I hate to say boring, but just a more traditional love story. We kind of, I think, look down on people who are willing to go on a reality show to find it. But one of the things that she said that all our listeners will hear is about why that is. And to be fair, I think everyone deserves that shot at being happy, however that comes about. So I'm here for it. I support her. And she was awesome. I agree. And for listeners, if you're watching Love is One and you've seen season one, then you know how it plays out. Like after you get engaged, you move in, you meet the families, and then you get married. What Yes or no at the altar happens then. And so I'm really interested for everyone to watch, if whenever it comes out, just what happens between the families because we know it's coming. I know that this episode feels short, and I know that we feel that way too, but Nick and Deepthi were amazing, and as the show progresses, we hope you've been able to tune in, to make your opinions known, because is anyone actually on Team Shake? And I hope that you're able to celebrate the South Asian rep across television and have a discussion and figure out how to do better. Let us know what you think, because we are so curious. Follow us on socials, on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at That They See Spark, and follow us on our personals too, at Nehal Tanani and Anika Sharma. Now, on to the interview. Hey there. Hi, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Good, I'm Nahal, and this is my co-host, Anika, and we're so honored to have you on that Desi Spark podcast. Congratulations on the huge success of season one of Love is Blind. I was so I was just so excited and invested in the entire show and their love stories. So thank you for being on with us today. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. It, Appreciate it. And I have to say that I am a giant fan of you because high school me is freaking out a little bit. So I'm not going to lie about that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you very much. <laughs> well, Love is Blind, for our listeners who don't know, is a dating experiment where you and your wife, Vanessa, find out if love could truly be blind. So what were your initial thoughts when producers asked you to host this experiment? Uh, I think our thoughts initially were, man, this is the craziest idea we've ever heard of. And we sure as hell hope it works. You know what I mean? It was, it was, uh, it's such a radical concept, especially in today's you know world that um, I think we went into it maybe a little skeptical. So we, you know, doing season one, we were, we were on the edge of our seats too. Like, is this going to work? Is anyone going to get together? Or is this going to be the biggest train wreck we've ever seen? So uh, it, it was fascinating to kind of watch it all play out and then ultimately you know, really, really validating and, and, uh, and awesome to see it, it, it you know, result in two incredibly strong, lasting marriages that are you know, together to this day. So, um, yeah, we just, you know, it, it, we were thrilled to be a part of it, um, especially something as, as different and new and fresh and creative as this, as this concept. And, and, you know, even more thrilled that it, that it worked out. We're here doing season two. 
Like you said, we've seen so many marriages work out. Shout out to Lauren and Cameron and Amber and Matt. What can we kind of expect for season two? A few of the themes that you had uh, showed us in season one was around interracial dating with Lauren and Cameron, which I loved seeing. And then also just sexuality with Carlton and Diamond. So what can you tease for us in terms of big themes of season two? Yeah, I think the, I think um, race comes into play in season two, although in a, in a, in a different way. Um, you'll have to kind of tune in to find out. But there's definitely a theme of, uh, of that, 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 uh, enters season two. Um, yeah, it's just, these people come, it's just different, different struggles, different mentalities, everything, every season we're lucky enough to do in this show is going to present its own challenges. You know what I mean? These people, I think Chicago is very different than Atlanta was in season one. Uh, you know, just the, the mentality of people from Chicago is slightly different. So that's the, that's the cool thing about it is while the process is the same and will be the same for every you know season we're lucky enough to do the, the results are going to be different. The struggles are going to be different. The journeys are going to be different. Um, and you definitely see some of that in season two. But what I will say is if you liked season one, you're going to love season two. There's just, I mean, it's, it's, it's just bigger, better, better. It's, 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 it's bananas. Um, and, uh, you know, again, we're lucky enough to, to have known season one worked. And I think these singles this time around new season one worked. So, it was easier for them to kind of jump in with both feet this time because they trusted the process from the, from the get go. It's kind of proven at this point. Um, but yeah, it was, it, it was a wild ride and, and uh, I know, uh, I know everyone's going to love it. I know I'm really excited. And I'm sure that finding an excellent cast for this entire season was a process. What kind of qualities does the show look for in its contestants and how are contestants chosen who fit for this process, uh, both mentally and emotionally? Um, can you speak to that a little bit or give some insights? The fate of a futuristic desert kingdom rests in the hands of a princess desperate for power and an assassin with a dark secret in The Phoenix King by Barna Varma. A novel smoldering with politics, romance, morally gray characters, magic, and technology in an immersive Indian-inspired science fantasy world. This book from Hachette Book Group features jaw-dropping world-building, slow-burn romance, badass female queens, and gorgeous interior art. The Phoenix King was previously self-published as The Boy with Fire in August of 2021. But Orbit's newly revised and edited edition, complete with a new title, has been released and both the book and author are wildly popular on TikTok. It was also named one of the best new fantasies of 2023 by Pace Magazine, io9, and Pop Sugar, And it was named an Amazon Best Science Fiction and Fantasy of September slash an editor's pick. Check it out now at the links in our episode notes. I actually don't have any insights on, on that. You know, there's a whole casting department that uh, that that you know obviously goes out and, and, and interviews a gazillion people for a show like this. Um, I, so I, I'm not privy to kind of what that process is or, or how that goes down. But what I can say is that um, they did a great job because uh, our, our singles in, in season two were were fantastic and, and really brought a lot of um, a lot of intrigue, a lot of drama. Uh, you'll see, you'll see, I mean, it's everything you saw in season one, it's kind of in season two, just in a bigger, crazier way. So, um, yeah. And, and ultimately the, the goal of this, let's be honest, is to find love. I mean, that's why these people are all here. They're, they come from a dating world. That's, that's uh, frustrating to them. It's you know superficially and swiping and profiles and, you know, Googling people and all the kind of preconceived ideas that come along with that. And this is a chance for them to step out of that. And approach love from a different angle, from a, from a much more raw, organic 
you know, um, non-physical kind of angle. And I think that that's what's appealing to, to everybody. But the end game for everybody is to find that person. That's why that's why they're there. And that's why we're there to try and help them do that. And so, yeah, it's just uh, it's fascinating to go along for that ride. <laughs> I know one of the criticism points of season one was like the lack of diversity. And I took a look at this season's roster and was relieved to find more Asians and South Asians in the mix. What happened last season and kind of why and how did you prioritize diversity and inclusion more in this season? I loved the trailer. Yeah, I don't think that that was, you know, there was no intention on the first season. It's maybe just a reflection of, of Atlanta a little bit more. I just, you know, it's, it's, uh, but that's one of the things that resonated with us too, was the, there's definitely more inclusion and, and diversity um, in, in season two, which is great. Um, I think every city is going to be a little different in that, in that sense, you know, in terms of who's coming out. And, um, but again, I know our casting department does the best job they can to find the best people for a show like this and people who are genuinely in it for the right reasons and want to be a part of it. And, um, but to your point, I'm glad that that resulted in, in much more inclusion in, in season two. And I think, you know, people will be uh, excited to see that. One of the things, Nick, that I was always wondering about that I hope that you can give us a little bit of background insights on were how which couples and which storylines air because I'm sure that the entire production team and even you and of course the contestants have a lot of experiences that just don't get to make it. So we heard that there were two other couples who got engaged last season but their journey wasn't aired and I was just wondering why that was and you know are there different th elements that you brought to the screen um, in, on season two or you know what um, what things did you witness behind the scenes that got brought to the yeah, great question. Uh, I can't reveal too much of what I see. <laughs> I can just tell you those decisions, don't lie, uh, those decisions don't lie with with me or, or Vanessa. You know, it's certainly a production um, decision in terms of which. But thankfully, it was a good problem to have, right? It was kind of a high-class problem. Um, in season one, we didn't didn't know if anyone was going to connect. You know, we, we went into that. It was an thing. So it was like, man, how many couples are we going to have that actually feel comfortable making this connection to be engaged, you know, sight unseen? Um, and, and, you know, lo and behold, we had, we had more than we, uh, you know, could handle. So, um, those decisions are definitely beyond my, my pay grade to speak. Um, but, uh, yeah, but it's, look, it's, it validates again, validates the process and validates the show and the concept of the show that these people are, are willing to go in kind of bear all, if you will, um, and, and be emotionally vulnerable enough to get to a place where they say I do without ever having seen the person on the other side of the wall. So, Yeah. I love the whole pods concept. It's so interesting to me. And I can't even imagine the conversations people have in there in so much depth. But I wanted to know from you, are there topics that are off limit that people can't talk about? And like, what were some interesting questions you saw maybe? There's absolutely no topics, uh, at least that I'm aware of, that are off, that are off limits. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's their forum to do and, and act and ask what they want. Um, it's not, not something that from a production side, anyone's involved in. That's just their opportunity to get to know each other. And so, you know, what they, what they choose to ask, what they choose to answer, you know, no one has to answer anything they don't want to answer. No one has to ask anything. You know, it's, it's basically, it's all up to them and how they want to handle that time. And then as you've seen, when the connection's kind of made and, and you decide you want to spend more time with someone, then those conversations become more in depth. But look, let's be honest. If, if, if that's your only means to get to know someone, and get to know someone to the extent that you're comfortable asking them to be your, your wife or husband, uh, there really should be no question off limits. I mean, you need to, you need to know as much as you can and learn as much as you can. And, and so it's really their time. Um, how they choose to spend it is, is up to them.
So we're Indian, so I have to ask this question once again. Arranged marriages are often talked about in Western society is a little funny. And actually, both of our parents and a bunch of our community members had arranged marriages that were very similar to this sight unseen. And you meet someone actually on the altar. So isn't this sort of the same thing? And if not, yeah. then have you had experience, you know, yeah. has, your, has your experience as, you know, an American um, shifted how you perceive arranged marriages if you hear about them now? I, you know, I'll, I'll be honest, I've, I've uh, you know, I, I don't think there's any necessarily right or wrong way to find love. You know what I mean? Like I, I, it, to, to, to criticize someone else's process is just naive and, and silly in my book. So if, if the end result, you know, is that you're happy in a loving relationship, then, then that's all that matters in the end. And this is, someone look at this, someone look at this, you know, show and this concept and think that's absolutely bananas. I would never let my kid do that. It doesn't make any sense. It's how how asinine, but if you find true love and you're content in a relationship that's loving and positive, does it really matter how you got there? Like, you know, there's, I think there's an element of that here. This is, this is unconventional. This is, this is, you know, unheard of on TV before. It's a, it's the first of its kind. Uh, And we've, we've proven that it works. We have two loving couples who go together, married after season one. So I'm not going to stand on any, you know, <laughs> soapbox and tell people how they should find love. That's not for me to do. Uh, I just hope that everyone is, is lucky enough to find it. We'll be sure to tell our parents that, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, Nick, this has been so amazing. We love getting deep with you on all things love. And I can't wait for season two. But before I wrap up, I got to ask you one last thing. Do you believe love can be blind? Absolutely. Uh, yes. I've seen it. I've seen it. Love it. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Awesome. Hello, Beefy. I'm Nehal, and this is my co-host, Anika, and we're so excited to have you on our podcast at Daisy Spark. Hi, nice to meet you. I'm so excited to be here. When I found out that the cast of Love is Blind is having South Asians, I was shook. So thank you for being on and kind of being a representation. Yeah, I'm so I'm so excited that I get to represent my community. So it's so nice to meet you, and we're just so happy you could be here. We're going to dive right on in. So I know a lot of times in Western culture, I'm sure you've experienced arranged marriages are kind of judged a little bit, and this is sort of similar to that, except on a whole nother level and a lot more intense because you don't even meet the person until you're kind of engaged. So what was your entire experience like? What can you share with us? Yeah, you know, it's really interesting when I first told my parents that I was going to do this, my mom kind of called me a hypocrite because I've always said no to arranged marriages. And it's so funny because she's like, so you're going to go on this show where you can't even see them? That's, you know, that's very hypocritical. But I was like, you know, I wanted a unique love story and I didn't want to succumb to the normal traditions of you know, this box that they put us in, especially, you know, in the Asian community and India specifically. So I was like, you know, I just want to do something different and branch out. And, you know, this experience has been so amazing. And, you know, you truly get to know someone for who they are instead of just what their credentials are or, you know, what they do for a living. It's like, you know, are we compatible on different levels apart from professional? I know. And it's crazy because there's this huge cultural expectation, especially in the South Asian community, that we have to date people who are like us. And so with every generation that obviously changes, stigmas get broken. But where was your head at when you went on this like love is blind journey? And how did you kind of break away from that stigma? And like you mentioned your parents, I would just where was your mindset at? 
Yeah, honestly, it's hard because it's easy to just follow the path that everyone else has gone on. But I really wanted to pave my own path, find a unique love story. And my parents have been very supportive about it. And it's kind of a stigma because I'm going on a TV show, first of all, where you're airing your private life. And especially for South Indians, that's, you know, you keep private life to yourself. You don't publicly talk about romance or sex even like the intimate things and it's very hard and you know I did put myself in a vulnerable place especially I wanted to represent you know my community in the best way possible but also staying authentic and true to myself and that that entails talking about some hard things that you know we normally don't talk about in the public eye from our culture and our religion well, South Indians represent, so I'm happy to hear that you're there because I'm with you, sister. Um, yeah. when, were, when you were in the pods and you were dating around, what were you looking for in someone and what kinds of questions did you ask? How did you filter through people that you had genuine connections with versus the people that maybe weren't exactly on that same level? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I wrote down a lot of questions and as soon as I like entered the dates, it just goes out the window. Because it's like, sometimes you just have to go with the natural conversation. And I think like having those organic, like conversation starters is so important. And right away, you know who you click with and who you don't, because the flow is easy. The conversation is easy. It's, you know, you don't have to constant, like with some people I had to be like, okay, let's (laughs) conversation moving. What questions do I have? You know what I mean? Whereas others, it's just like, you know, the three hours or the hour dates just fly right by. So it's like pretty easy to gauge who you're going to mesh well with and like whose energies are like in synchronicity. You know what I mean? So it's, yeah, yeah, I think you kind of just have (laughs) that like intuition. (laughs) I mean, obviously the whole not seeing each other thing is really tricky, especially in this era. You know, you have dating apps like Hinge, Bill Mill, whatever. And all of that Mm. stuff, the first thing you notice is someone's looks and then you're swipe left or you swipe right. So how did you kind of navigate not seeing someone and genuinely deciding if you were interested based off these conversations? Like, were you able to kind of build them up visually in your head or were you just guessing the entire time? You know, you absolutely have an image of what they may look like in your head, but it, you know, doesn't usually resonate the same way. But honestly, it's so nice to not be able to, because I'm very much like I read body language so much and like the tones of voices and things like that. And so to actually just like, not like worry about what I look like, or, you know, I'm not in my head about, oh, how am I coming off? So it's kind of takes like the pressure off a little bit, which is really nice. And yeah, I think just having the physical part of it just be removed completely really elevates like uh, trying to understand who they are as people and you know just connect with them on an emotional level and the physical part will come later you know it's coming and you kind of will cross that bridge when you get to it but you know you absolutely have an image of what they may look like in your head um it's kind of fun (laughs) it sounds kind of like an incredible experience and i love that more reality shows are diversifying their cast like the circle and 20 somethings and obviously love is blinds And we know that with South Asian culture, especially being a doctor or a lawyer or a businessman or something, there's certain (laughs) paths that you have to take and those are equivalent with being successful. So when you had your experience on Love is Blind, how did you unwind some of those things and what made you decide to kind of go down those paths and say, the things that I learned are not going to be applied here? Yeah, I mean... (laughs) 
that's an interesting question, actually. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I think, you know, even when I was growing up, my parents were like, yeah, you're going to be a doctor, lawyer, or engineer. And that, those are your options, <laughs> yeah. you know, and it, it's nice, actually. Yeah, but it's really nice to kind of get away from that. And I really wasn't looking for how someone looked on paper or what their profession was, because there's so much more to a person than just what they do for a living. And it's, you know, you kind of have to find balance. Like if I'm in a professional, you know, whatever, a professional um, career, that doesn't necessarily mean my husband has to be in the same way. You know what I mean? He can be a stay-at-home dad if he wants. You know, there's like, there's different layers to it. And, you know, for me, it was more important to understand who they are like internally and what Mm -hmm. they can bring to the table for my future kids and be emotional and supportive and not just provide money because that's, you know, we all know like, yes, like the father figure should provide money, but that's the culturally that's changing so much. So, you know, for me, yes, profession is important. Having success is important, but you know, it's not everything. No, I completely agree with that. I also hate this term, but I've heard people use it. It's called non-negotiable. So I got to ask you before kind of going into love is blind and this whole experience, do you have any non-negotiables for someone that you were looking for a future with? Yeah. You know, I'm not going to lie. My whole (laughs) life, I actually have never dated a basic person. And that's insane. Yeah. So going into this experience, I was like, ah, there's no way I'm going to pick the Daisy dude, you know? (laughs) But um, in any case, I think for me, um, oh, my biggest non-negotiable was someone who doesn't have self-awareness. That's honestly my biggest thing because it just, if you lack it, I just can't be compatible with you. Like you have to know your surroundings. You have to adjust to your audience. You, You know, that's just very important to me. And I'm a very social person too. So I I just think like having a partner who understands me emotionally and has that emotional intellect is, was huge for me. Well, I'm so excited to see your journey play out in season two. We've watched a few episodes, but are going to continue binge watching it and see what happens. But before we wrap up, I have to ask you, what was your biggest takeaway from it all? Something you learned that you'll value when it comes to emotional connection and can pass off to our listeners. Yeah, the biggest thing I learned about myself is that confidence and integrity and, you know, all of these things that I strive towards, you know, that comes from within and you can't let somebody else, you know, shake that. And I, it did shake yeah. me for a little bit going through the process. I constantly questioned myself. And at the end of this, the biggest takeaway for me is that, you know, you have to have the self-respect and the you know, the self-esteem and the confidence to just be authentically yourself. And from this journey, I honestly learned to just continue to shine, you know, and not let anyone else dull that. Well, we love supporting a South Asian queen like yourself, Deepthi, and we're really excited for your journey and to be watching this play out. Thank you so much for being on that Daisy Spark with us. And we can't wait to see how your story unfolds. Like we said, it was short and sweet, but we want to know what you think. So we'll see you on socials. And until next time, keep lighting that Daisy spark.